Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. Man, have we got a packed show tonight. We'll be taking your calls for the next three hours and taking your jokes and your comments and your threats. Uh, Trump supporters, as always, go to the front of the line. We love our Trump supporters. We uh, we promise to only come at you with uh, empathy and uh, facts. We might actually quote what's really in the Constitution and in the Bible as well. So spoiler alert, you'll be surprised. And in the meantime, we have a lot of great guests. A lot of great comedians are on the show tonight. Leanne Lord is going to be back with us. We do love her. She's gone on tour right now with the uh, Showtime special, Very Funny Women of a Certain Age. And later on in this hour, I'm very happy to welcome Maury Blackman to the show. He, of course, is from Premise Polling, which are behind that recent poll about Joe Biden that I want to get to. Of course, our executive producer is Chris Hauselt. Associate producer is the heroic Thea Harper. I'm John Fugelsang, and I really hope you had a good Tuesday. Let's do a show. The Senate has just passed a sweeping expansion of the veterans' health care, sending it to Joe Biden's desk after the Republicans held the bill up last week. Yes, this is the PACT Act. This is the thing that 84 Republicans voted for first. And then after we found out that Chuck Schumer had a secret plan with Joe Manchin to give more Americans health care and try to stop setting the planet on fire, just to own the libs, the Republicans killed the bill last week. John Stewart made a lot of noise, and once again, they've had a vote. They voted 86 to 11. It's more popular now than it was the first time. This caps a years-long quest to help American veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange, who were exposed to toxins in burn pits while they were on active duty. And after blocking it less than a week ago, Republicans got in line behind the bill. After Majority Leader Schumer allowed three little GOP amendment votes, all of which died on the floor of the Senate like Caesar. One of them was your favorite and mine, America's sweetheart, Rand Paul. He had an amendment to the PACT Act to reduce aid to other countries, except Israel, over the next 10 years to offset some of the bill's costs. In other words, to pay for our vets, let's give less to our allies. They needed 60 votes. They got the GOP to fold, and they passed it. Here's a very unhappy Rand Paul who, listen to this and tell me if I'm crazy, kind of sounds like he's saying maybe, just maybe, we're wrong about these vets, or maybe some of these vets are faking it. ...care of our veterans and keep our country strong. This bill puts our economy, though, at risk by creating presumptions of service connection for the most huh? common availments. What, for what? example... This legislation creates a presumption of service connection for Vietnam veterans for hypertension. Right. 
Okay, But according yeah. to the CDC, 50% of men and 44% of women in the United States have hypertension. Oh. More than 60% of people over the age of 60 have hypertension. In total, the CDC estimates that, 100, estimates that 116 million Americans have hypertension. The legislation also creates a presumption of service connection so there, there we for go. global so that's war on terror saying, veterans for asthma. Okay, the let, CDC play this one part two. Listen that here. one in 12 people have asthma, which is approximately 25 million Americans. That's care a lot. Of our veterans and keep our country strong. This okay, so in other words, uh, well, let's not take care of our veterans with asthma or hypertension because, you know what, they probably would have had it anyway. Chris? Why can't he be like other dentists and like just go big game hunting or like to swingers resorts? Why does he have to be uh, the most annoying dentist in the world? Well, uh, A, because he's not really a dentist, and B, because his father was a libertarian racist who was right about a lot of things and really wrong about a lot of things. And Rand Paul will run to Joe Biden for federal assistance faster than Ayn Rand ran to her mailbox every week for those Social Security checks. Any questions? Good. Let's move on. Uh, here, here's the thing. It's great that the PACT Act has passed. But w w will this help the Democratic Party? Will this help this fall? Will this help this incumbent president struggling in the polls? Uh, you know, Premise Poll Group had this poll, came out last week, showing Trump and Joe Biden in a dead heat for a 2024 race, as well as Trump defeating Ron DeSantis and Vice President Pence by double-digit margins among Republicans. Now, we're going to talk with Maury Blackman of Premise about this actual poll. It was the one that showed how unpopular Joe Biden is in his own party and said that 60-odd percent of Democrats would like to see another nominee. I'm very curious to ask our guest about this poll because I, 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 I have a question about a lot of this stuff, and it's, it's, it's not going to go away. Y'all who are big Joe Biden fans, I know there's not a lot of Democrats who are big Joe Biden fans. We're not a cult. We don't worship leaders. He was the guy to, that could beat Trump, right? That's that's how he got it. I, you know, Noam Chomsky, Angela Davis, Bernie Sanders, they all voted for Joe Biden. Much better than Trump. God bless him. But this is growing, this discontent with who the incumbent is. And I'm fascinated by what all this means. Is it ageism or is it a question of choosing personality over policy? Right now, two members of Congress from Minnesota have just become the most prominent federally elected Democrats to say they don't want Biden to run for a second term either. Congressman Dean Phillips told a radio show last week, I think the country would be well served by a new generation of compelling, well-prepared, dynamic Democrats who step up. He said this after they asked him, would you support Biden in 2024? And he said, no. This is in Minnesota. Angie Craig, congresswoman from Minnesota, also said, uh, I think Dean Phillips and I are in lockstep in alignment with that. And I'm going to do everything in my power as a member of Congress to make sure we have a new generation of leadership. Recent New York Times Siena poll showed only 26 percent of Democratic voters said the party should renominate Biden. Biden will be 80 this November. So what does this mean? Here's my question. Do Americans vote for people? or principles? Do Americans vote for personalities or issues? Because on paper, yes, there's inflation, but that's worldwide. Every country has it, and America's doing a lot better than most of our capitalist allies. Unemployment down to 3.6%. 9 million new jobs, the American Rescue Plan. There's going to be billions 
of student debt relief. First new gun law in 30 years confirmed like 70 plus judges. New infrastructure bill. Great new Supreme Court justice. I reduced the deficit by almost $2 trillion, expanded access to health care. Nearly 5 million more Americans have insurance coverage now. 2021, they think, was the lowest child poverty rate ever for a single year in the U.S. And, and his first year was the greatest year of job creation in American history. More than 6 million jobs created the first year. And he did all this with a tied Senate, a, a three-vote House margin, nonstop Republican obstruction. And at the end of the first year, we had $3 trillion in COVID relief. We had infrastructure, a record number of minority judges. And yet, nobody wants him to run. At least the majority of Democrats seem to not want him to run. And what's that about? Is it just that people think he's old and they're not paying attention to the accomplishments? Or is he vulnerable? Maybe because he's old. That's how they'll beat him up. <laughs> you know, I, look, I've said for a long time... Ageism is the one ism that both liberals and conservatives engage in freely in this country. I don't care that the president needs to take a nap. I don't want a guy who's napping during, you know, meetings about the future of the country in the middle class. But Nate Silver reports that there's been a consistent movement towards Democrats in the midterms over the past few months. And Democratic chances of winning the Senate, according to Nate Silver, now stand at 55%. It was 47% on June 30th when they launched the forecast. It was 40% in a retroactive forecast they dated back to June 1st. And Democrats are doing better on the generic congressional ballot as well. That asks voters which party they would support in a congressional election. Democrats are now essentially tied with Republicans in the generic ballot polling after trailing by several points for much of the year. And these are the Democrats that we've heard are going to be destroyed in the midterms this year. Now, more and more people are saying, yeah, the GOP will probably take the House, but the Democrats will probably add votes in the Senate. As of now, the chances for Democrats, uh, it's up at the 67%, up from 56% on June 30th. And again, you know, the battle for Senate control is very competitive. It's very ugly. Neither party has a clear advantage. It's all going to come down to Who's going to show up? But more and more, it seems that the political climate is shifting to Democrats. Now, why is this? Is it because of a conservative Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is deeply unpopular and 70% of us still care about women not being broodmares for the state? I mean, it's important, but, you know, the economy is more important to most voters. So what's it going to mean? Will people not care about Roe v. Wade because they're blaming Joe Biden for the inflation that's affecting every country in the world right now? By the way, they call it inflation, the media. I call it price gouging by companies sitting on record profits. USA Today had a poll and showed uh, the economy was number one, most important issue to voters, but abortion was the second most important. I mean, Congress has been really productive. Look at how well they've been doing. They've passed a bill on gun safety, funding the semiconductor manufacturing. They're going to probably pass this bill with spending and climate with Manchin. They're going to probably pass this bill codifying same-sex marriage. I mean, the January 6th hearings, have they moved the needle much? I don't know. I think it's made a lot of people realize how right they were about Trump. I I don't know if anyone's been woken up out of the matrix about it, but (laughs) the CNN poll says that 79% of voters say that Donald Trump as president acted either unethically or illegally. 
We don't know how much it's changed public opinion, but it sure has kept January 6th on the front burner, which, truth be told, is probably why the Democrats and Republicans wanted to do it. COVID-19, not hurting Biden as much. We still have high caseloads, but deaths are low compared to earlier stages of the pandemic because of the poll above the vaccines. In fact, in a Suffolk USA Today poll, so few viewers mentioned COVID-19 as their most important issue. It wasn't one of the top 25 issues people named. Again, the recession, inflation, whatever you want to call this current malaise, it's going to hurt Joe Biden. And most voters do think we are in a recession. At the same time, gas prices are down like 50 days in a row, and the stock market's been in a really healthy rebound over the past five to six weeks. So my question to you guys, listening live at 866-997-GRIT or listening on the John Fugelsang podcast, Sirius XM On Demand, or the app, what's going to happen? Will Americans vote on the issues, or will they vote for the candidate they like? I mean, it's got to be the issues, right? I met Carrie Lake once in Phoenix, and she told me she used to be an Obama voter, and then she came around to Trump, and now she's a hardcore MAGA lady. And I'm like, how? How How can you go from Obama to Trump? You decided that abortion should be illegal? You decided science was wrong? (laughs) Guys, we have to keep reminding everybody, both parties don't openly practice racism. Both parties aren't fighting to save racist Confederate statues. Both parties don't want to turn a blind eye to police misconduct. Both parties don't want to legalize weed. Both sides don't ask Putin for help. Both sides aren't trying to put women in jail for abortions. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how the Democrats are going to do with their messaging, but you'd think it'd be pretty simple for them to tell the masses, Biden and Obama killed the leadership of al-Qaeda. Trump freed 5,000 Taliban. There's your choice. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-GRIT. Let's go to the phones. Sean and Callie, today's your birthday? Oh, my goodness. Oh, brother, yes. You know, it's really tough getting to that. I'll tell you, I never thought I would make it to 32. But, you know, I did. uh, (laughs) Happy birthday to you. I'm more than halfway to 110 now, so we have... Congrats. No, thank, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But, you know, I and I had a... You know, I wanted to say, you know, I mean, tonight, you know, I'm having Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson over. It's going to be one hell of Very a nice. Potluck. Nice. But, you know. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I wish I could have them over. But, no, I was calling because exactly what you're talking about. I think where we're at right now in this country, we, the biggest problem is, is people living in a fantasy world, which you cannot get a lot of them out of. And those that actually live in the real world, but maybe don't stay engaged long enough. And that's a real tough nut to crack. But what I mean about the people that are in fantasy world, I love Christmas. I'm not religious, but I've loved Christmas from a little kid. We teach our kids, you know, giving is much more important than receiving, but you enjoy the whole process. And when my kids were little, you know, you're teaching them, you know, Santa's coming through the chimney. The imagination of a child is just amazing. And, the, you know, Santa's going to come and bring presents and fly on his reindeer, you know, reindeers that can fly. And you leave out cookies for him and, and carrots for the reindeer. And then they love this, this imagination flows and you just go through it with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, they realize at some point 
You know, it, that's not really true, but that was really cool. My parents did that. I got to grow up like that. Well, we have millions of people that grow up um, being taught to be racist, right? Yeah. At that influential age where that imagination and everything is so wonderful and you have all the opportunity in the world to try to help develop or at least give them a foundation where they're eager learners and they're not going to be fooled by a bunch of dumb stuff, but more importantly, not be racist or sexist, all these discriminatory teachings. So uh, that is where we're at. I mean, we have people that are stuck in the, the, um, uh, you know, the imagination of a young child and they're being influenced by people that are not good people that are racist, that are sexist. So, once again, and they use, amen, you know, they use religion to try to prove their, prove their point, which is even worse. Nonstop. Religion should be used to help the community, to help develop children to understand the importance of loving one another. Wasn't that Jesus or Asus? Yes, but, I agree with that, but that's why I think religion is very important, because Republicans are going to yes. continue to do the exact opposite of everything this character of Christ tells. Welcome the stranger. Care for the sick. Care for the poor. Be kind to those in prison. Be nonviolent. They're going to go against everything Jesus talks about and still use him as their mascot, which is why it's very important for everyone, including nonbelievers, to call the Republican Party out for their revoltingly false Christianity. I'm with you 110 percent. And I'll tell you what, I want you to get on on some of these, uh, you know, corporate media shows because they, they gloss over. I cannot hear once again, that there's two sides to what actually Jesus was I know. i got to start going. I, I, and I haven't done them in a while. I'm going to start doing more of the corporate Please media do, shows. Please do, brother. I, 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 you know, I, it was a pandemic, and, and my hair got long. I, I'm going to start doing more of that stuff this fall for the midterms. You will see me popping up on some of those shows. All right. Well, I, you have my full uh, support. I love the show. I love this show. I don't care what time you're on. Hell, I'll <laughs> tell you, you what. I've been... When I talk to people, I just talked to my brother-in-law. He said, that John Fugel saying, he actually talks about religion in a way that can tell people, um, you know, who are really religious, good, and those who are phonies, you know what, we're on to you. Well, please thank your brother-in-law for his very low standards, and thank you for joining us on your birthday. We'll play some uh, Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg in your honor later on. Thanks, brother. I love you much. Have a great one. Happy birthday to Sean and Kelly, everybody. We're at 866-997-4748. Pat in Virginia, the beautiful state I just flew back from yesterday. Welcome. Hi. Good Hi. to talk to you, John. This is the first time I've called your show. so um, I'm very honored. Thank you. I didn't want, uh, my pleasure. Um, so, like, I'm a 69-year-old woman, um, and I appreciate your... Um, stand against the idea of ageism. I don't know that it's that not wanting Biden at this point is necessarily because of ageism. I agree. Um, I I agree um, with a lot of younger people that, you know, as I look at what my generation has left behind, you know, I can understand that there's a lot of... Um, lot of work to be done and there is an energy and there is a a sense of skin in the game that younger leadership will bring 
that I think is going to be very important and that we can't, you know, now that people are living and they're vital into their 80s, I mean, it, you know, it's like you're sitting at the kids' table when you're 65 years old. I get it. <laughs> Still. I get it, but know? let me, let me and, ask you this. Let, let me... Have- let me ask you this question, though, seriously, and I'm not taking any sides on this. I just I really am fascinated by people's opinions about ageism and about, you know, should Biden run again or not? Um, how would a younger president than Biden, a more vigorous, robust, younger president than Biden, how would that person get Mitch McConnell to do anything in ways that Biden has failed? Well, I'm not sure that 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 is what they could do. Um, What I think they could do is to speak publicly in in a style that is uh, perhaps more um, understandable to more younger people. I think that Biden is still kind of old fashioned. I get him. I love him. I mean, I supported him. I, you know, but he wasn't my first choice. Elizabeth Warren was my first choice. Right on. So I, I just feel that. Sometimes I have the same thing is going on in another organization that I belong to. And we just, our, our director, uh, it's a musical organization, so our director retired and okay. has been replaced by a much younger person who is also, has some differences, um, you know, is not your typical cisgender white man that we've all I got you. I got you. I see a lot of the people who've been in the group for a long, long time are nervous, you know, but the, my, I see my young colleagues being really turned on and excited. Right. And that, I think, is what's important. I, I think that there is something about, and I don't know if it's just cult of personality or it's just, it's time that, that we elder states people, become elder states people. It's, we don't have to keep running everything just because we've been around for a long time. So I hear you. if Biden ran, I would support him. But I can understand Same. the desire for the next generation to put their priorities first. I and completely to agree. have some leadership that speaks to their, to their way of thinking. I completely agree. I, 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 I've said all along, I've been very impressed at how much Joe Biden has adapted and grown, how much he has evolved Absolutely. with the times. I mean, compared to other white guys his age who have the kinds of histories he's had, he's really grown a lot. And I have a lot of respect for that. Oh. I do think also you that, you know, if he's the nominee, people will support him. People will vote for him, especially if he's the nominee against Donald Trump. Yeah. But there's a lot of crazy variables you here, know, as you well know. It's not, for me, this isn't actually about Biden. But, you know, the presidency, look at the toll it took, takes on even much younger people. I you know. know every president, they, they every one of like these men, know. every president in my lifetime has left office looking like his grandmother. Everyone. Exactly. So it, I just feel that, you know, that what he could do, the wisdom that he could show when the time comes, which is not now but a lot closer to 2024 would be to sort of pass the baton. And, um, and that, that if, if that's what he chooses to do, I will be very proud of him for that. And uh, if Amen. he chooses to run again, I mean, I would still support him. I think he's done a great job. It's not that yeah, for me. I think, I think most but, people feel um, the way I, you do. You know, so I think sometimes when people say they don't want Biden to run again, it's not that they don't like Biden. It's just that they're itching to move on to another thing and not take another four years, you know, because it, he's the one in line kind of thing. I People know. are over that. 
I know we all have commitment issues in this country. Well, I hope you'll keep on listening because we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Maury Blackman of Premise Polling, which had that poll about how unpopular Biden is with his own party. Uh, There's a lot of other angles on that poll that I didn't think got enough attention. So I'm very excited to discuss that with Mr. Blackman and to keep on taking everybody's calls. We'll be right back. Pat, thank you. Stick around. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We are back. So premise polling, they were the ones who gave us the results showing Donald Trump and Biden in a dead heat in a 2024 presidential race, as well as Trump just clobbering Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence by double digits in prospective matchups. However, this poll also showed Democrats really rejecting another Biden run, preferring someone else to run, but they're not really sure who. There are so many levels to this poll that I found fascinating, disturbing, intriguing, and even promising that I'm really, really pleased to welcome Maury Blackman to the show. He is the CEO of Premise Data, which is a global on-demand data insight company. Mr. Blackman has been named uh, Northern California's Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and um, he's also the host of the new podcast, Great Minds Think Data. Uh, which has just premiered where he announces the results of this poll showing Biden's unpopularity with his own uh, party. And it also features, uh, as a guest, our good friend Lenny Davis, who was special counsel to President Bill Clinton. It is a great pleasure to welcome Maury Blackman to the show. Hello. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So uh, there's so much to get to, and I found this poll so interesting. I'd like to just begin with the obvious that got all the big, splashy headlines. Voters generally not interested right now in a second-term presidency for Joe Biden. I'm wondering what you think the, the tell is. Is it because of Biden himself, or is it because they don't like the policies he's fighting for? We, we're trying to see where the ageism line is. In all of this, but it does seem that on issue after issue, the causes this president is fighting for are popular with his party and a majority of voters. So, how does it all even out for you, Maury? Well, I, th- I think it really comes down to you know just some real challenges the administration has had, you know, early in early in their history here. So, you know, we're we're two years into this presidency, and we've had some some real challenges with Afghanistan, with inflation. Um, with the border, there's just been a number of things that have really been a chink in the armor of the Biden presidency. 
you know, I'm optimistic on this end that with this new agreement that uh, Schumer and Manchin have put in place, that it could really help turn the tide for his presidency and give people a, a more um, realistic outlook about what the next two years could look like. You know, I think it's a pretty significant win when you look at the party and the base. You know, one thing that I know myself, just as an ordinary individual, you know, I get fed up with these big corporations like Apple and Google, even though I'm here in California, of course, I get fed up with them paying zero tax. And so I think, you know, 15 percent minimum tax, alternative energy, these are big wins that I think Biden can hang his hat on, you know, provided that it doesn't get scuttled moving forward. Yeah, it does seem that finally having, you know, just a a 15 percent tax on these big corporations is the sort of thing that Democrats should be pounding away at. You know, you'd think that. And again, I want to acknowledge there's been a lot of polling showing that the Senate race is a lot tighter, that Democrats are now in some polls favored to win the Senate and increase uh, their their lead. But um, we've got Roe v. Wade. We've got the Trump January 6th hearings going on all summer. We've probably got Joe Biden forgiving a huge chunk of federal student loan debt coming up in the new year. My my question I've been asking the listeners tonight is, does it come down to personality or is it policies? I mean, can popular policies and positions be enough if the chief executive himself isn't inspiring the poll numbers? I think people are looking for leadership. They're looking for wins. They're looking for progress moving forward. And it seems like the past two years, you know, we've been we've just still been stuck in COVID for the past oh, two years. And so yeah, we, we want to get out of it. We want to celebrate. And, you know, I think that any incremental win that the administration can show in you know the next two or three months here will be big in these midterms. I agree with you. The Senate, you know, when, when you break down the Senate races and we're going to do some work on this here in the next few weeks, when you break down these Senate races on a state by state basis, it looks pretty promising for Democrats. You know, they, you've got you know a real tight race there in uh, in Georgia. You've got a real tight race in Ohio. You've got a real tight race in Pennsylvania. All three of those races could swing the Democrat way, Absolutely. which I think would be pretty shocking to a lot of people. Uh, I think some people may be shocked. Like most elections, I think it's going to all come down to how high the turnout is. And if there is high turnout, Democrats will do well. I think the concern about an 80-year-old president is that that maybe that's not going to inspire a high turnout. Well, I think, you know, one of the points you made about Roe v. Wade and, you know, my friend Lanny Davis makes a really strong point here is that he really feels like and and I believe I'm, I'm with him on this, is that the Democrats really need to be pounding the Republican opponents on this specific issue, because our polling across the board shows that Americans generally are support of of, of uh, pro pro choice candidates. They don't. They're you know, it, it's a wide margin. And so this is an opportunity for Democrats to really win big inside the electorate. Now, uh, the the part of your poll that got all the headlines was that only 38 percent of Democrats said they want another four years of Joe Biden and that 61 percent of Democrats said they prefer a new president. So that makes me lean in and say, well, who's more popular? And those results are kind of interesting as well, because Kamala Harris comes in first. um, Hillary Clinton comes in second. uh, But neither of them have as much as 25 percent of the vote. On their yeah, own, they're less question. popular. They're less popular than Biden is now, but they're the most popular people to replace him. Yeah, it really begs the question, John, of, you know, who do we want? 
And, and I think the answer is they don't know until they start to see what the matchups look like. You know, I pointed out in Stephanie's show yesterday that if you remember correctly in the 2020 election, uh, Bernie Sanders was out polling everyone. Yeah. But I think when people took a step back and they said, you know, it's all about winning in politics that, you know, it, you either win or you lose. There, there's, there's no real second place here. So when Democrats sit down and think about who they want and who has the best chance to win in 2020, they threw their lot with Joe Biden. Yeah. And so as we look into 2024, it doesn't really matter if they want him or don't want him as much as if when they look at the the candidates that he's going to be going up against, if they feel like he's still the best person to win the job, because right, that's what exactly. it's all about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's not just enough of, is this person someone I agree with? It's, do I think this person is electable? You know, I called 2020 for um, Biden-Harris in February of 2017. I predicted that Biden-Harris would be the ticket that would win. But I, I found it fascinating in your poll, Hillary Clinton comes in second, 19%. And there's no way Hillary Clinton's ever going to run for president again. Um, tied for third or... Never or say Kevin. never, John. Never say uh, never. She has said it. She said it. So that's why. But you're right. She could get drafted. You know, we could all get Hillary fever again. I got my pantsuit in the attic. Um, Newsom and Buttigieg both tied for 9%. Of the four people named, I think the only one who actually is running for president would be Gavin Newsom. After seeing the ads he bought in, you know, in Florida and in Texas, Gavin Newsom is, if not running, he's auditioning to be the standard bearer should a new nominee arise. Well, Gavin's a good friend of mine. I've supported him for many years now. You know, I, I remember him as well. He's a great back, guy. He's, he's terrific. Yeah. I, well, I remember. I'm sure you remember back in the 2000s. He was the first politician to stand up for gay marriage. Oh, I know. And, I, you know, I it know. cost him politically. But the reality is he was on the right side of that argument. And so I think he gives him a righteous claim. To be, as, as Stephanie Miller, your friend, would say, the alpha liberal of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think he can make the claim. He, he survived the recall rather easily. He's probably going to be reelected in California again. And you know him. I mean, I've worked with him before at Current TV. The, the guy has got um, a, a charisma that's defined by toughness, even the way he talks, you know. And um, I, I do think that he is very deliberately, at, at least making all of us his focus group as he's trying to figure out what to do in, in 2024. It's just, I think that, you know, one of the challenges that Newsom will have is that being a Democrat from California may not run that well nationally. Right. Um, I'm a huge fan. I hope he puts his hat in the ring. I think he's gonna, just such a tremendous force in, in our political environment today. And, you know, I wish nothing but the best for him. Yeah, um, I get you on the California Democrat. I think on a debate stage next to, say, a Donald Trump or a Ron DeSantis, he would look very, very young and vigorous and attractive. I, I, I do have to ask Me. you about the hypothetical matchup of, of Trump and Biden. It's 50-50. Were you shocked? Stunned. Uh, just absolutely stunned. I just I felt like that, you know, well, what surprised me the most is that Donald Trump and all of his issues is still able to garner a 50-50 tie with Biden. Um, it, it's it's quite surprising to me. I, you know, the optimistic side of me believes that as we get closer to 2024 and kind of the same thing we said about Democrats 
And when they look at the matchups and they think who can best win, I have to believe in my mind that the Republican Party will say to themselves, I don't think we can win with Trump again. And they'll put someone else in the seat. But, you know, who who really knows? You know, we're you know, one one fun thing about being a political hack or political junkie and a pollster is, you know, we're looking at snapshots in time and kind of predicting where it's going to take us in the future. Yeah, I mean, I love it. And it's amazing just watching, you know, there's obviously the civil war on the GOP side that's going to be fascinating. I mean, Trump crushes DeSantis in a matchup, and I'm sure in, in the matchup in your polling, and I'm sure that's, of course, what our establishment Republican friends from McConnell on down are looking at. I mean, despite all of Trump's issues, and despite the fact that you've got everybody from Matt Schlapp to, to, to Mitch McConnell hailing Ron DeSantis like he's the second coming of something, Trump crushed him. It wasn't even close. Double digits. So, I mean, yeah, what does I, this say I, about I a Republican stop. Party that wants to hang on to Trump's voting base, but really, really, really doesn't want Trump to be their nominee? Yeah, I was I was expecting numbers. I expected Trump to come on top, but I thought it'd be like 55, 45. Right. Versus a Stantis or a Pence. But it, he just absolutely obliterated them, which was was quite stunning. I agree. And and Pence, I mean, is there anyone who thinks that Pence is doing anything here? I mean, other than branding <laughs> Mike Pence? Well, what was what was quite surprising, John, is when we ran a theoretical matchup in our poll, um, Pence versus um, Biden, he actually came out one point better. That, I mean, of course, it's statistically not significant, but he came out one point better. And so the only thing that I could attribute that to is, you know, I do believe that in the electorate character matters and whether you, you know whether you believe it or not the perception is that both <laughs> Mike Pence and Joe Biden are men of character right i think that pence really has you know upped his game and upped his profile in his actions on 16 he seemed to be a man of courage and a man of principle and i think people respect that so is will he be the next president of the United States? Our polling doesn't think so. But I think people have, if nothing else, gave him a tick in the box and said, yeah, he's a good guy. Right. Uh, listen, I want to tell you, I have never helped treason in any way. And uh, I can't get over how good I look. You know, I've never helped treason. I've, I've never done it. And yet I, I'm so virtuous. And uh, you can tell I have such great character because I didn't commit treason that one time. Um, it all comes down to independence, doesn't it, Murray? It's all going to come down to who can sway the big middle. That's right. It's all it, it really comes down to the independence, because if you look at how polarizing this these elections are and how polarized the electorate is, it's really the independents that are going to swing it one way or the other in pretty much every state. So I think that, you know, one thing that, you know, Lanny, Lanny Davis took a lot of heat for um, early on in the, when we were looking at the Pennsylvania race is that he wrote a column saying we parents do matter. And I think that that's one of the things where, you know, the Democrats need to kind of revert, need to pivot a little bit. They need to talk about crime. They need to talk about, parental rights. They need to embrace some of these policies because those are more mainstream than what sure. people are thinking, particularly the independents. I mean, I think one bad Terry McAuliffe comment at a debate proves you're right. I think it, it does. But what would you have the Democratic Party if they want to do well, not even think in 2024, but just for the midterms? I mean, what are the issues you think they need to pound away at to reach, of course, 
the independents, the white people who don't have fixed opinions on too much right now? Well, I think they need to be talking about inflation. They need to be talking about the price of gas. They need to be talking about crime. They need to talk about parental rights. Um, you know, they right now it seems like the the Republican Party is owning these issues, yeah. and it's very easy for them to just take them away and start talking about them, and and getting more getting more conviction around these topics to really sway that that middle of the electorate. Right, right. I mean, it, it, what's fascinating to me is on both sides of the aisle in your polling, you see these contradictions. The majority of Democrats don't want Biden to run, and yet Biden's much more popular than anybody else who could run in his place. On the Republican right. side, Trump is much more popular than DeSantis and Pence, but Trump doesn't beat Biden. The less popular DeSantis and Pence both beat him. I mean, to me, the big takeaway is that the next two elections are still very, very much up for grabs. 100% agree, John. It's, you know, for us political hacks and junkies, it's going to be, it's shaping up to be a really fun political season for the next two years. Uh, tell me about the podcast, the Great Minds Think Data podcast. Sure. So we're, um, you know, I'm doing a podcast um, on a weekly basis, and um, I'm going to be interviewing some of the great minds out there. You know, Lanny Davis was my first guest. Uh, Alex Gladstein, who's the Chief Strategy Officer at the Human Rights Foundation is my next guest. And we're just going to be looking at data across the board and how people can use data to make decisions that power their business. Um, their business could be politics. Their business could be um, consumer goods. Their business could be um, financial services. It could be anything. We just want to tar start the conversation and talk to people about how data can drive their decision making. Everybody talks about it. We want to get to the brass tacks of how it makes it happen. So that brings back to my original point, then. Speaking of data, I mean, what does the data indicate matters more for an election like the ones we're talking about? Is, is the popularity of the individual candidate, is that more important than the issues? Again, on the issues, Democrats are consistently more popular. But when it comes to getting people out to vote, <laughs> you wouldn't know it. I mean, you wouldn't know looking at our legislative world in the Supreme Court that over 70 percent of us wanted to keep abortion rights legal at the federal level nationwide. It's such a disconnect between what we say we want and what we show up to vote for. Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to to your point. I think it really comes down to the charisma of the individual and their ability to essentially talk about their policies and while they make sense for America. You know, our friend, the, our friend Hillary and Bill Clinton, um, you know, of course, you hear Bill Clinton talk about a set of issues and describe them. And every single time I, I walk away feeling amazing. You know, my only, you know, my only issue with Hillary a lot of times is she wasn't able to really capture the emotion of of the topic of the policy and it came away you know a bit callous whereas you know bill just want to you know just want to reach out and give him a hug i mean he just right. really knew how to communicate and and obama the same type of thing you know he yeah, really i think, I, I, really I think had she got that ability to, to communicate and grasp our heart and on the republican side the one that the one that rings the most to me is and you know i was i was very young when this has happened when this was going on and so were you as reagan yeah. really seemed to have that inspirational ability to here's my policies but me the man i'm able to 
emote these in a totally different way. Yeah, Bush got away with that for a while, too, uh, Bush Jr. I, and I do think Hillary Clinton um, really suffered a lot of uh, unfair comparisons because she was following two Democratic presidents that were maybe the two best public speakers of our lifetime. Amazing, I mean, seeing, right? Seeing her compared to Absolutely Clinton and, and, and Obama all the time as a public speaker. Uh, and I thought she came a really, really long way as a candidate in that, in that last campaign. So what's next for you? What's going to be on your radar as the election season begins? Well, we're just going to continue to poll and we're going to look at interesting, interesting data and facts. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to be back on your show here with some interesting findings in the in the coming months. I'd love to have you back. Can you please let our listeners know the best way to follow you and your work? Sure. Um, my podcast is on both Apple and Spotify, and we'd love to have as many listeners as possible. Right on. Uh, Maury Blackman, thanks so much. I've been wanting to talk to you ever since I saw this poll. It's completely fascinating and somewhat horrifying. Please come back and see us again. And uh, best of luck on the podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks, John. Have a great one. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. I know you guys were on hold for a very long time, but here's Senator Chuck Schumer continuing to spread some good reviews of the Inflation Reduction Act cooked up by himself and Joe Manchin. The more that people learn about what's in the Inflation Reduction Act, the more they find reasons to praise the bill and the more absurd the Republican attacks sound. This morning, a group of 126 leading economists, including seven, seven Nobel Prize winners, three former chairs of the Council of Economic Advisors, two former Treasury secretaries, wrote a letter to congressional leaders calling for swift passage of our bill. They found that our bill, quote, will fight inflation and lower costs for American families while setting the stage for strong, stable, and broad, broadly shared long-term economic growth. Never mind that. What does Kirsten Cinema think about all this? Because that's really the only focus group we're worried about right now. Hey, let's go back to the phones. You guys have been so patient. Bill in New Jersey. Thanks so much for hanging in there. Welcome. Up, oh, Thea. Can you pick up Bill in New Jersey? I've got to reboot my doohickey. How are you? Uh, I was fine until a second ago, but you broke my software. For some reason, I couldn't pick up the phone. So thank God Thea's here. How are you doing? Um, I feel really happy, but I don't know why. But that's okay. My, well, my abortion rights abortion rights are protected in Kansas tonight. The Justice Department is uh-huh. suing the state of Idaho to protect women's reproductive freedoms. Nancy Pelosi has landed uh-huh. in Taiwan, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, there, there are, you know, inspiring things happening in the world. Oh, good, because I'm glad it's not the blood covering my shoes. Um, the uh, I was looking into this whole Eric paradox. Trump thing, you know, <laughs> that's been going on. That's been <laughs> paradox driving. You mean, you mean, the, you know, you mean the weasel, huh? the weaselly, weaselly, uh, unable to commit to one no. candidate, so he plays it safe. John, this is brilliant. They'll be teaching this in poli sci. Um, 
I've narrowed it down to it's somewhere between Eric Estrada and Eric Idle. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I would have to say it's Eric Idle because Eric Estrada spells his name with a K. So I'd have to say. It's, oh, I didn't I mean, know that. What he did was so slimy. And, you know, the, the two guys that were in the lead were Eric Schmidt and Eric Greitens. Mm-hmm. Eric Greitens is the one we yeah. all thought Trump would uh, would would endorse mm-hmm. because Greitens is yeah. uh, more famous and he really, really, really hates women. So we all thought it was a lock. But it turns out he just said, I endorse Eric because Trump is a coward. And that's why uh, he didn't want to commit to either one. And tomorrow he'll say, oh, I meant Eric Schmidt all the time. Is he not like the laziest being in the universe, Trump? I mean, yes, he's supposed to endorse somebody. I know he likes everybody to do his work for him, but God, that 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 was bizarre. He's a very um, unserious person. He's a, and like and like, I don't know. You know, like we can be amused by it, but like those candidates must uh-huh. have been pissed. They must have been pissed when he uh-huh. went generic with it, generic yeah. with it. And mm-hmm. um, but then they have to come outwardly and be amused by it. You know what right. I mean? Like, well, especially Eric's son. He was really confused. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, as as far as projecting Biden versus Trump or anything, what's most important now are the number of Republicans who are coming out to vote in a primary. And I hope it's not strong or, you know, for both. That's the only only thing we it's know. It's always going strong. On, Re- Repu- Republicans now. always have strong turnout in primaries. The status quo right. is the status quo because it's so organized. It's the whole question is right. how many and, people who aren't Republicans will show up. And that's how you know who's going to win. Right. Well, th- th- those people who turn out in primaries are the ones that vote in the, uh, the you know, the November election. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they whatever they number they are is is more important than anything at this point. I think, though, if we do take the uh, Senate meeting for real and hold on to the House, the president not, is not going to matter as much, but we could get so much done. I mean, my God, they so much done. do everything. You know I what mean, my question is? You know what my question is? Let's say they're going to lose the House, but gain an even greater lead in the Senate. And if it's greater than 52 votes, then no one's going to care how bought and paid for mansion and cinema are, right? So think about all the things they could pass. My question is, can mm-hmm. the next Senate pass bills that this House passes? In mm-hmm. other words, if the House votes on a flurry mm-hmm. of progressive agenda items— that they can pass before Election Day, but can't pass after January 1st. Can the mm-hmm. new Democratic Senate take those up and actually pass them? Because that could be a lot of very healthy activity for the fall. Well, they have to change the rules. First of all, they got to get rid of the filibuster. And then they need to put a, um, whatchamacallit, uh, a date certain on bills that come from the House and they have to have some sort of policy that they'll vote on every single bill that comes from the House up or down within, I don't know, two weeks or something like that. And stuff will stop, you know, getting uh, strangled in the Senate because mm-hmm. they're their own worst enemy. And well, they have to change the rules. Number one, they have to become Democratic, at least. I, huh. I, I you know, um, and and anyway, if we do get any of that stuff done. I think it'll make a big difference. And I don't understand why Biden's not doing that well. I, you know, 
God knows why. Uh, but um, Because gas is very expensive and everything else is very expensive, and it doesn't matter who's to blame for inflation. The guy who's in the office is going to take the blame for it. Yeah, I wish people would like to have a, a you know a modicum of interest just to figure something out rather than saying what they hear on the streets about the price of gas. Do a little bit looking into, and there's nothing wrong with looking into uh, stocks and stuff or anything. It's kind of uh, Republican to do that, and so that I think they believe that even if they don't believe uh, you know uh, MSNBC or something. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, it's an economic thing. Um, You're but right. Anyway, I, th- I think after the after the elections in November, we'll have a much better idea. And after, uh, absolutely, I I think that Biden softened up, softened up enough that he he's open, a lot more open to more important shit than he was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll see. I, I'd like to hear Biden use the word abortion a lot more. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, you know, look, mm-hmm. people just want to feel like the president's out there fighting for them. And this was a rap that was mm-hmm. on Obama all the time, that he was too cool and removed. And I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. people respond to passion. And this version of Joe Biden, the the elderly Joe Biden, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I grew up with middle-aged Joe Biden when I was a kid. Elderly Joe Biden, mm-hmm. his strongest traits are his compassion, mm-hmm. uh, his empathy, and, and his passion. And, you know, I want to see the guy who beat Trump in two debates. I want to see that guy come back, and right. I think he can do it. <laughs> And I think both houses of Congress should change the number of days they're in session to more than half a year. I mean, our 160 whatever days they spend there taking August off. No, most people don't can't take August off. And I know they have certain commitments and they have to uh, raise money or they have to go see their uh, constituents and things like that. But. You know, being paid $174,000 a year, which is three times the average uh, salary in America, and uh, taking uh, half the year off is not right. I know a lot of times they're in session in terms of being in their uh, committees and things like that. But And session is a matter of fact. Session can last for days in the Senate. Or yeah. they can last for 24 hours. Or it, it, anyway, it's it, it. They should figure that one out because they should be working at least as much as you know most people do. <laughs> well, yeah, they should. But you know, I mean, if most people found out how congressional pensions work, they'd go chasing them with pitchforks. Right. Well, any, anyway, it's all Citizens United that defines that because it's raising money is half the time they spend, and. Uh, that, that shouldn't be. And I think that right anybody on. who's in in the upper level of, uh, of the government should have to sell their businesses. They should have no other business. They shouldn't be moonlighting. They shouldn't have any interest in anything. And I don't care, you know, whether they're peanut farmers or they're billionaires. Well, yeah, well, you mean they you brought up the peanut farmer. That's, that's right. Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. had to divest of his mm-hmm. peanut farm to not appear compromised. Right. Donald Trump, and right. I have always said this, Donald Trump mm-hmm. could have been impeached mm-hmm. one minute into his inaugural mm-hmm. address for violating the Constitution's mm-hmm. emoluments clauses. He would not right. do it. And, I mean, even Mitt Romney mm-hmm. talked about having a blind yeah. trust. He'll put his stuff in. No, no. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. Donald Trump raked in money off of the job and no one cared. So there's the precedent. I mean, you know, you know what it's going to take mm-hmm. to, for people to care about a president using the job to make a buck? It's going to have to be a Democrat doing it. Before the Republicans care. Is, 
Well, you have to change the values towards morals and away from money. You have to change people's re- realization that we're all dependent upon each other and we're not in an Ayn Rand world where everybody looks out for themselves. Um, right and that these social things really matter and they make a difference. And the more they can get accomplished in that, the better. And the Republicans are just disgusting, you know, yeah. the whole thing with the vets. You know. I hear you. I hear you. That's what they do. And and will the vets even know? I mean, will the vets even know? Because if you're a right wing guy who's a vet and you spend your time, Mm -hmm. you know, watching watching right wing news, you Mm -hmm. know nothing about how Donald Trump. I mean, this is a guy who used the National Guard to tear gas U.S. protesters. Like, this is a guy who insulted troops with PTSD. He lied about donating Mm -hmm. six million to veterans groups in 2016. He, he, he mm-hmm. lied and falsely accused our troops of stealing funds mm-hmm. for Iraqi reconstruction. He was fined for misusing funds mm-hmm. from a veterans fundraiser when he ran the first time. Like, I, I mean, mm-hmm. Trump laughs at these guys, but some of our troops are educated, c- critical yeah. thinkers. And, you know, there's authoritarians who just want a strongman. And that's it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And these are the same people that get, like, taken in by Tammy Faye and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, that whole crew and the 700 Club. It's because they become associate that with America or whatever is great in the world, you know. And yep. uh, it's such a, a, you know, farce anyway. I agree. I agree. And I, mm-hmm. I thank you for the call, Bill. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome our next guest. She is performing this week at Funny Women of a Certain Age, direct from Showtime, at the Simsbury Meadows Performing Arts Center in Connecticut. She's a great stand-up comic and author you might know from Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk podcast. People of Earth, please welcome back the very funny Miss Leanne Lord. Well, hello, people of Earth. How are you? <laughs> My people. I'm great, honey. How are you? I'm great, too. I'm, I'm glad you're with us tonight. Thank you so much. We've got a lot of callers, and there's a lot going on in the world. How are you, Ms. Lord? I, 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 I'm, 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 I thought of you when I heard that Nichelle Nichols died. Thank you. Um, apparently, a lot of people thought of me. I somehow made my fandom of Star Trek quite clear. So yes. people were sending me text messages and, and emails as if I were actually family. <laughs> Which I, I, you know, was 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 lovely uh, and endearing. And I, 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 I mean, we knew that this was coming. You know, her health um, in the last few years has been uh, not great. Not great. She yes. also suffered from Alzheimer's. And, you know, that That's was something right. that when I learned that my ears you know, sort of perked up because that was my mom's situation uh, as well. Yeah. Um, but my, my and I, I, I mentioned her because my, my mother's the reason I'm a Star Trek fan. Um, she was really? a Trekkie. Uh, yes. My mother was a Star Trek fan. So I get my geekdom, honestly. I, I had no I, idea. I, I my know. dad got me into Star Trek. I had no idea it was your mom. Yes, this is a family franchise here. Uh, yeah, she, <laughs> uh, she's the one that introduced me to it. We, of course, started out on the original series and reruns for me. Of course, and uh, she bought me my first, uh, you know, outfit, Lieutenant Uhura, of course. Um, oh, no way. She, yes, absolutely way. Can't fit that one anymore, but yes, she bought me my first, you know, cosplay outfit, my Lieutenant Uhura, and uh, she took me to my first convention, a Star Trek convention, and I got to tell you, it was hilarious. We got hit on by a couple of Klingons. Um, <laughs> 
I kid you not. But next generation female Klingons. So yeah, yeah, you don't you don't you don't turn that down. So Wow. <laughs> You know, I, I was reading a lot about Nichelle Nichols, um, and and one thing that really stood out to me was that you know she considered leaving the show after the first season before yes. Uhura became like a you know a, a series regular, a main character. Mm-hmm. She was sort of a, an occasional player, and I've been going through season one of Star Trek with my child, getting him into it, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, yep. um, Uhura's character was kind of wacky in the beginning. I can see why she might have been unsure about it. I mean, but that now we can look back and say that's classic Star Trek for any of the series in their first season. They are trying to get it together. They're trying to gel the writing and the characters. Yeah. So classic Star Trek, you got to give them a year for them to really sort of gel together. Next generation, first two years, ah, embarrassing. But they find their footing. You know, um, they actually did. I was at still with Star Talk when um, Neil interviewed her and she talked about that story uh, about how she was going to leave the show and the person that talked her into staying uh, was Martin Luther King Jr. That's that's what I was going to ask about. That's a true story, right? Yeah. Totally true story. Yes. Absolutely. You know, telling her that she had no idea what uh, she represented. And, you know, when I... I, I'm, I'm a woman of few words when it, when it comes to this sort of thing. You know, it's just sort of, you know, good night, Lieutenant Ahura. Thank you so much for letting us see ourselves in the future. You know, because for me, as a little kid, when, by the time I saw her, I thought it was normal. The, the, the diversity of the cast in Star Trek, I thought, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Right. You know, so for the children who were born with Barack Obama as president... You know, they think that's normal. So that was my little slice of what it can be. Again, one of the reasons why I love Star Trek is because it is so incredibly hopeful for the future of humanity. Um, whereas in our day-to-day existence, woo, I'm not seeing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, she, you know, seeing a woman on the bridge. Now, mind you, most people just think she's sad at communications. But there are episodes, if you pay attention, where she's at the helm. She's in the navigator seat. So when you're on the bridge, you have to be bridge certified for almost any of those positions. <laughs> so not, not to get too nerdy, I'm just putting it out there. You know, she wasn't just taking phone calls. <laughs> uh, hey, Leanne Lord, it's so good to have you with us. My pleasure, as always. Now, if people want to come see funny women of a certain age, where do they have to go? Oh, my goodness. We've got a great show this week. Uh, we are at the Simsbury uh, Meadows Performing Arts Center. It is an outdoor show. So, you know, there's a little safety factor there that's up in Connecticut. That is Thursday, August 4th, 7.30, BYOB. And we will bring the laughter and fun. I'll be with Carol Montgomery and Anita Wise. I'm so looking forward to it. Nice lineup. Wow. Yet another show that you just won't let me perform at. And I'm so hurt by it all. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, uh, any any thoughts about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan despite uh, Joe Biden and others asking her not, and the Chinese government asking her not to? Yeah, I was a little shocked by that because I, for reasons I really cannot discuss, um, have been asked not to return to my local Applebee's. And um, you know what? Mm. I respect that. <laughs> I'm not going. Yeah. Same with me. I've got plenty of places ask me to not come back and not go there. And I try to usually, I mean, public libraries, you know, serious yes, XM yeah, studios. Yeah, I heard, I heard about you, John. Chuck you have e. quite cheese. the best. I've seen your picture up a lot of places. You yeah. You know, them out. 
Yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, some Chuck E. Cheese just have, uh, you know, some very outdated ideas about what constitutes decorum. Listen, thank you so much for being with us, Leanne. It's always a great pleasure. Thank you to all the comedians tonight and uh, and uh, Maury Blackman as well. I'm sorry if we didn't get to all of your calls. We will be back here tomorrow. Keep it tuned to progress for all the great shows. And tomorrow, Bob Seska and Keith Price are back on the Love Fest. Thank you, Chris and Thea. We'll see you then.